0: Good evening and welcome to the show. Well, it's difficult to argue against the idea that everything you need in life should be within 15 minutes walking distance from where you live. This conjures images of neighbors strolling to work and to the shops, kids riding their bikes to school, cleaner air from lack of cars and a more relaxed vibe in your neighborhood. Some officials are so enamoured of this idea, in fact, that they want to make it a mandatory goal of all our town planning. In Victoria, it's legislated state policy. It's all about creating walkable neighbourhoods where people can live locally. Places where communities can access most of their daily needs within a 20 minute return walk from home. Again, it's difficult to argue against this. It all sounds so idyllic, but then they go into the detail. These places should have diverse housing options and access to safe cycling routes and local public transport, local health facilities, parks, shops and other local infrastructure. We are already working with local government, communities and industry to deliver projects and are committed to building a livable city of 20-minute neighbourhoods. To find out more, visit the Plan Melbourne website. Diverse housing options. Well, that's a euphemism for an enforced mix of rich and poor. The rich pay extra for a limited supply of large or good quality residences, while some of their neighbors live in subsidized state housing. If you choose to live in such a neighborhood, great. But what if you don't want to? What if one of your aspirations in life is to raise your kids among people who work hard and can afford to buy their own home? Well, according to the Victorian government, you can't do that. The government's choice of words is important here these places should have diverse housing options. In other words, a variety of residential types will be enforced and you won't have any option about it. This removes one of the great and most powerful incentives of life in a liberal democracy. If you're born into unfortunate circumstances, you have the option of working your way out of them. But why would you bother doing that if your state-funded accommodation is in a pleasant neighborhood? This isn't to say that the disadvantaged shouldn't be helped, they should. But to give them no incentive to pay their own way is cultural and economic suicide. Now, the only forms of transport the Victorian government's video mentions are bikes and public transport. These 15-minute cities have little or no room for cars because as we have been repeatedly told for decades, cars are evil, even though most of us still own them. This is in fact, not a plan to make urban life more amenable, but a plan to phase out cars. It is the latest plaything of authoritarians who think they know better than you and I how we should live our lives. A year ago, these same authoritarians were saying this. So whilst it is in human nature to engage in conversation with others, to be friendly, um, unfortunately, this is not the time to do that. So even if you run into your next door neighbor, in the shopping centre, in the Coles, whilst you're at Coles War's, or Aldi or any other um, grocery shop, don't start up a conversation. Now is the time for minimising your interactions with others. Well, so much for being neighbourly then. This isn't a plan to make your life more pleasant. 15-minute cities are a plan to force you into neighbourhoods where owning a car is impractical. But if all this arouses your suspicions, you are a conspiracy theorist, according to Australia's state-funded media. The hottest conspiracy theory of 2023 comes from an unlikely pursuit, town planning, says SBS. And the ABC says there are two very different views of the 15-minute city idea. To some, it's an urban planning concept that promotes sustainable and healthy living, To a small group of others, it's a plot by tyrannical bureaucrats to take our cars and control our lives, which could lead to a real-life Hunger Games scenario. After outlandish claims about lizard people, 5G and COVID-19 vaccines, conspiracy theorists are now targeting the world of urban planning, with protests against the 15-minute city concept springing up around the globe. So the ABC conflates valid concerns about COVID vaccines, which are known to kill healthy people unnecessarily, and the clear authoritarian overtones of 15-minute cities with wild theories about lizard people and 5G. If the ABC needs to resort to puerile rhetoric, it's probably a good sign that those of us who think the contrary are correct. One of the latest examples of this 15-minute city is happening in Paddington, Sydney, where the state government is proposing to reduce four lanes of Oxford Street to two. This will accommodate, you guessed it, bikes and buses. If you don't live in Paddington or Sydney, don't ignore this. It's coming to a council soon near you because 15-minute cities are a global phenomenon. Nobody voted for this. In fact, if it weren't for a few vocal residents in Paddington, no one would have even heard about it. Yet the anger in the neighbourhood is palpable. This is not going to make Paddington more amenable. Instead, it will make it harder for local shops to operate and for locals to drive through the neighbourhood or find a parking spot. One of the people affected is Peter White, the owner of one of the shops along Oxford Street, and he joins me now. Peter, welcome. Hi, Fred. Firstly, Peter, how did you first hear about this proposal?
1: Well, it's a good question because um, I get regular mailings from both the City of Sydney and Lara about uh, um, alterations to houses and shops Next to in my little in my uh, in my um, uh, immediate vicinity, uh, and usually it's about putting another another six inches on an awning or you know, changing the colour of a letterbox, and we might get used to that. Now, the other day I heard people talking about this radical new proposal to reduce Oxford Street to one lane either way and put in a two-way uh, put in a two-way uh, bicycle track. Now I'd never heard of this. I'm a ratepayer and an owner. I asked my my tenant, the a business owner, never heard of it. Uh, and apparently, talking to other people, nobody has been advised. Now in this day and age, when you're going to make this, such a major infrastructure change, reducing a major thoroughfare, one of the major thoroughfares of the city CBD, from uh, two lanes plus the bus lane down to one lane, uh, it belief that how it's got this far. But the word has finally got out and I think people are starting to be very, very concerned and very, very angry.
0: Yeah, just dwelling on how you found out about it. I mean, this proposal has in fact been around for a while. If you look at the state government's website, the the current page was, was uh, put up in January, if I'm not mistaken. Now, since that page has gone up online, there's been a state election was it mentioned at all during the election campaign
1: not to my knowledge not to my knowledge and uh, i'm a landholder in paddington i don't live there now but i had no knowledge of it whatsoever uh, and it's quite
0: remarkable quite it frankly. is well it's it's it's, <laughs> um, a, it's yeah. very suspicious if something as as significant as this Is on the table during an election campaign. You'd think if they thought it was such a great idea, they'd say, "Vote for me because I'm behind this plan." The only alternative. Go on. Sorry.
1: Well, uh, you would think it would be—it's such a radical, radical idea, uh, and it's going to adversely affect the livelihoods of several thousand people directly, and not to mention indirect uh, uh, effects. (laughs) and <laughs> it's all on the basis that 2,000 uh, bike riders drive through Paddington every day going to the CBD. Well, since we've learned about it, a, a colleague and a friend of mine has sat down and counted the number of bikes going by. Would you believe it? 170 in three hours morning peak and 117 in uh, p- PM uh, peak. So that's 290 and the government the papers say oh, there's at least 2,000 people go through every day. Now, I occasionally catch the bus there and I can see there's a few few bike bike people running. I like, I'm all for cycling, but, you know, cycling with sense, not cycling with sort of madness. Um, under this Under this arrangement planned at the moment, if you're driving down Oxford Street and you want to park, you will stop every car, every bus and every ambulance behind you because there's only going to be one lane.
0: It it beggars belief. Well, you mentioned ambulances. I was going to get onto that in a minute, but I'll I'll, I'll bring it up now. At one end of this development is St. Vincent's Hospital, and Oxford Street is very often used as as the uh, thoroughfare for ambulances rushing people to hospital. Now, they can do that at the moment because it's four lanes. That might be
1: what. Yes, maybe they're all going to go down Moore Park Road now. So the Goodburgers of Moore Park Road will maybe get all the ambulances and all the sirens because, under this plan, they won't be able to. And there's an ambulance station at Paddington Town Hall, believe it or not, which my friends who work there tell me it goes up and down four or five or six times a day with the siren blaring. It, it, you won't be able to use it. Well, they will be, just bad.
0: they will be stuck in traffic and it could cost lives. Yes. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. So one well, of the it fundamental cost this
1: whole thing, it cost lives and livelihoods.
0: Indeed. Okay. Well, let's talk about that. How will this? I mean, the, the argument for this kind of development is that it increases, increases foot traffic. It makes the area more amenable. You know, people are more relaxed and you know walk past the shops and so on. Are you saying that this development will uh, adversely affect your business on Oxford Street?
1: I, I'm the landlord, not the business operator, but it'll adversely affect uh, the, the the businesses there. All the businesses I've spoken to are, you know, shocked and horrified, and can't believe it. Quite frankly, but and how will again, it, but Peter? How will it reduce?
0: It. How will it reduce business? I mean, the argument in favour of it is that there will be more people on the pavement. Is that not the case?
1: Well, who knows I, I cannot I'd like to see the modeling and the proof of that um, but there's going to be certainly the place is going to be um, more crowded and more chaotic because the, every time somebody parks there'll be there'll be people blaring their horns because the whole traffic into the city will be um, will be stopped
0: not so, yeah. live
1: in more road because that's gonna it's gonna funnel traffic into there and to other other ways and into the back streets of paddington
0: yeah yeah okay so just i mean just so so we're not just so we're not talking too specifically about 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 paddington because we've got viewers from all over the country but i mean i want to use this as an example i I want to use this as an example of of what's happening around the country now you're a very good person to speak to because because you were once on the traffic management committee of another council, weren't you? Is that correct?
1: I, I was the chairman of the traffic committee at Mossman Council for five years. And As how say, would you rate we this? Only sp- get for four years manslaughter. Or...
0: <laughs> how would you rate this proposal?
1: Well, it, I just am gobsmacked that it's got to this point. You know, you, 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 you look in Mossman, you can't scratch yourself without having to get it uh, approved and consult, have consultation. This, I just don't have how these things falling through the cracks. I don't know. And we had a meeting the other day and the local member couldn't come. I mean, crikey, so he used to think Alex Greenwich was a, a, an outstanding politician, but... Well, uh, Two or three hundred people at a meeting, and he's too busy to come, you know. And I, I'm told Clover Moore is, is all for this. Well, you know, I can see people have told me that Clover wants a, a legacy, and she wants to be able to point to something and say, That bike, I got that bike thing, that bike lane in. Well, you know, this is madness on a Rather large scale. Well, I think if it goes through, there'll be a lot of politicians who won't have jobs in a few years' time.
0: Well, if only they'd mentioned it before the last election, they wouldn't have one now. But I think I know why how this has come about because this is clearly dictated by higher um, authorities in the state government. Now, here's a quote from the uh, state government's own page. And it says, in reference to this particular development, but they could be talking about any, any sort of urban development in Australia. It says, they, meaning the cyclists, have no choice but to ride alongside cars and share the bus lane with buses during the peak period. Cycling research shows that to create a mode shift change to cycling, we need to ensure people of all ages and abilities have a safe passage. A separated bike lane would provide a dedicated and safe bike route for a wide range of riders. Now, Peter, when they say we need to ensure all cyclists have safe passage, who do they mean by we? It's not the ratepayers.
1: Well, you could be selfish to say, well, it's only, it's only servicing people outside the area. Anyhow, it's people coming from Bondi and from Clovelly and people beyond Darlinghurst and Paddington and Moore Park. So, it, it, look, I'm not against cycles and I'm not against cycleways, but there's the right place in the right time for the right solution. And this is the wrong solution in, in the wrong place. It's not a solution. There's Indeed. already a cycleway in Moorpark Road. And, well, I'll just, I just
0: clarify that, that, that. Moorpark Road runs sort of parallel to Oxford Street, but it is a, uh, a route into the city from the eastern suburbs. So there is already a cycleway, a few hundred metres away on, uh, from Oxford Street. Now, just going back to the, so that's just to clarify, but just, I just want to go back to the, the, you know, the way the state government is dictating terms here. That same page by the state government says, cycling is a critical part of Sydney's future transport plan. That's a quote from them. Critical, mm. why is cycling so critical? What? Whose call is this, Peter?
1: I I know. As I said, I'm for cycling in the right place and the right time. But, you know, this is the case where it's not. And, I mean, you talked about the 15-minute city earlier. I mean, what I would say that's pie in the sky, mythology and and rhetoric. I mean, tell the people from Gosford that there's a 15-minute city, the the hundreds of people, thousands of people who, who... Commute every day. Most of us commute every day, you know. But so it's a, it's a, it's, a, I don't know, it's a figment of people's imagination. But there are a lot of people toiling away, and who agree in a certain. As I said, look, I agree with cycleways, but mm. not in, in the right circumstances.
0: Well, and the other aspect of really op- is- the the other use of Oxford Street is it's the main thoroughfare from the city to world famous Bondi Beach. So people from outside of the eastern suburbs will have even more trouble getting to Bondi after work on a hot day. And we thought going to the beach was a birthright of being Australian. It's gonna stop people going to the beach. I'll
1: tell you what's interesting as well is that uh, Westfield Shopping Centre can have uh, have great sway in this community. We won't go into why, but uh, it's interesting that, that um, for some reason uh, 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 Mr Lowry's friends went down the street looking, talking to all the Paddington shopkeepers getting them to move to Westfield. And I, I note that there's a cycleway between Rose Bay and Double Bay, but it doesn't go through Rose Bay shops. It stops beforehand because I don't think Ballara Council would be game to do this in Double Bay, which they see as their heartland. One of the troubles with Paddington, it's it's... Borders. Two. It's on the it, the two council boundaries go right down the middle of it. So there's Wallara Council on, on half of the street, and the other half of the street is City of Sydney. So it, it's like it's a place without a voice, a split voice. Uh, and unfortunately, the recently they tried to put a fence down the middle to stop people crossing the road. Now that that caused a huge storm, and and we got that uh, uh, changed. But it's just like, I don't know why it attracts so much attention, uh, for often for the wrong reasons, but anyway.
0: Yeah, and um, just finally, do you think this is, I mean, we talked about 15-minute cities, but just finally and very quickly, do you think this is a Trojan horse for the 15-minute city idea?
1: Well, I guess, I'm not a conspiratorialist or, or uh, um, I think often, the, rather than the, um, uh, I think it's more people with certain views in certain bureaucracies get ideas and then they get the chance to to um to put them into practice unless some more sensible people come along and say hey great idea but in the wrong place and i think this is a case of great idea but in the wrong place not practical or
0: or the residents rise up and say thanks but no thanks Anyway, well, exactly. Like, you know, the yeah. people are losing
1: bus stops. They're, they're getting rid of bus stops. They want to have public transport, but they're taking three or four bus stops away. The church won't be able to have weddings because, and, and funerals. Cockerminia, I think, is a good description of this, but I just can't believe it's got this far, that they've been spending good taxpayers' money on plans.
0: Indeed. Well, Peter, we'll keep an eye on this, uh, not only on behalf of the people of Paddington, but for everyone in Australia, because this is going to happen everywhere. The signs are very clear. Peter White, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. That's Peter White, who owns a shop on Oxford Street, Paddington in Sydney, and is facing the sort of heavy-handed town planning idealism that all of us will eventually face. Well, that's all from me tonight. Thanks for watching. If you want to follow us on, t- on Twitter, you can find me at, at Fred Paul, that's F-R-E-D-P-A-W-L-E, or follow ADH on at A U S, And you can catch all the latest from ADH's rapidly expanding lineup, including Damian Curry, Alexandra Marshall, Daisy Cousins, David Flint, Nick Cater, Lyle Shelton, and of course the great Alan Jones by going to adh.tv or downloading our app or find us wherever you get your podcasts. ADH is the new home for common sense commentary and there is no shortage of things to comment about these days. I'll see you again tomorrow at seven o'clock. Good night.